The DCEU is back, and they are diving right into the deep end with James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Is it a reboot? Is it a sequel? A prequel? A combination of all three? Who knows? Let's dive in. Oh my god, we've got a freaking kaiju up in this shit! Uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Direct Primer, where today we'll be breaking down everything you need to know before heading into... The Suicide Squad, Liam, the return of the DCEU, the return of the DCEU canon for the first time since Wonder Woman 1984 had the Snyder cut in March. We're back. DC is back. We are DC fanboys as of right now. Liam, real quick off the top, how jacked are you for this movie? I am unbelievably stoked for the Suicide Squad. The social reactions from everyone who's already seen it have me through the roof excited. Uh, Unleashed James Gunn with an R rating is going to be magnificent. And I didn't think I could be so hyped for a movie full of characters that I've really never heard of. But here we are, and it's going to be glorious. A movie full of characters you've never heard of. Don't you think that sounds like the perfect James Gunn project? Yeah. That, that is what gets me excited, guys. Like, obviously, we have our sweetheart, Harley Quinn, kind of leading the pack here. And she has established herself on that Downey Jackman level of actor comic book character, which we're all super excited to see more Harley. You should always be more excited to see more Harley. But every other character, the majority of comic book movie fans have never heard of them. I would say a good amount of comic book fans, DC comic book fans specifically, don't know a lot about these characters. And that is what makes James Gunn such a perfect uh, director for this movie. And that's where my excitement comes from because he's going to get us to fall in love with people we've never even thought to fall in love with. So um, I say we dive right in, you know, start getting into the details. The Suicide Squad, a soft reboot kind of sequel, maybe to uh, 2016 Suicide Squad directed by David Ayer, starring Will Smith, Margot Robbie, uh, uh, Viola Davis, etc. Um, and it releases on August 5th in theaters and on HBO Max. For the first time since Wonder Woman 1984, we will have a movie in theaters and on streaming at the exact same time. No extra cost. Liam, you were talking about how big that might be compared to the Black Widow release we just saw. Yeah, it's going to be very telling for the box office. Don't worry, we're going to get our boy David Thompson back on uh, our weekly episodes in a couple weeks to break down the numbers. But I am keeping my eyes laser focused uh, on box office mojo in the coming weeks because Black Widow, we saw, made a giant domestic haul its opening weekend. However, it also brought in $60 million from extra streaming. And you got to wonder with people willing to pay at least 2 million people willing to pay 30 bucks for Black Widow on streaming, how many people are going to say, I want to stay at home. And now that it doesn't cost me anything extra, I'm not going to go to the theaters. So we have seen HBO Max hybrid releases have success in the box office before Kong versus Godzilla crushed worldwide. Uh, I believe it made like north of 500 million total in its worldwide haul which is amazing for a movie that was essentially free if you have HBO Max. The Suicide Squad has anticipation like I've never seen before for a hybrid release, but there's still going to be a giant asterisk around the box office. I'm seeing this in theaters. Matt's seeing this in theaters. It's going to be an experience, I feel like. We'll make sure to let you know how we thought about the theatrical experience on next week's weekly episode. But at the same time, the HBO Max convenience factor, it's something to watch out for. 
And just another quick note for anybody unaware, we are still trickling in the woods of COVID-19. So, and, you know, with the new Delta variant, recent surges around the country, make sure to check out your local theaters protocols. And just, you know, before you hop in there, buy a ticket and, you know, get the ball rolling, make sure that it's safe for you to go and you're comfortable to do so. The synopsis, Liam, from the horribly beautiful mind of James Gunn, the Suicide Squad. Welcome to Bellevue, where the worst supervillains are kept and where they will do anything to get out. Even join the super secret, super shady Task Force X. Those willing to take a chance to find themselves are dropped, literally, on a remote jungle island for a search and destroy mission. Did we mention it is teeming with militant adversaries and guerrilla forces? One wrong move, and they're dead. Now, I do want to point out, I love the use of the word teeming right there. That was awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's teeming. We're, we're foaming at the mouth. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the Suicide Squad. Kind of a run back a little bit of the synopsis from 2016's movie. For those who haven't seen it, for those who don't know, for those who don't want to watch that movie because it is really bad. Um, no offense to anybody involved. It's just not very good. I think anybody would say that. Um it's it's basically the same idea you know they gather a group of villains and bad guys and you know the rogues gallery of the dc universe and uh they bring them together to perform a government driven mission and if you make one wrong step step out of line talk back etc kaboom implant your neck goes off you're done we'll see you and uh yeah it's basically they're basically running that back with a new cast of characters a handful of characters remaining from the Suicide Squad in 2016, joining a brand new list of you know characters we've never heard of with actors that we desperately love. Liam, do you want to get into the characters? Let's get into the characters. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we start off with our girl, Harley Quinn, of course, played by Margot Robbie, America's sweetheart, crazed criminal, and former psychiatrist, Harley Quinn. If you don't know about Harley Quinn at this point, you have kind of missed the boat, but she is, in my opinion, a top five comic book character brought to life when you talk about how the actor portrays this character and how much fun fans have. Absolutely. And one thing I will say about the 2016 Suicide Squad, if you want to skip the entire movie, go on YouTube, the Harley Quinn origin scenes, because I think that's where the movie has the most redeemable qualities. Moving forward, though, in our characters and our second lead, essentially, Bloodsport, also known as Robert Du Bois, played by Idris Elba. That's right, another Marvel actor making the jump over to DC. He's a mercenary with advanced tech and weapons that only he can use, and he has been previously convicted, or he's in prison at the time of this movie, for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. It is important to note that James Gunn, Idris Elba, would not specify which Superman this is. It could be Henry Cavill. It could be Michael B. Jordan in a future project. Who knows? But for now, Bloodsport is nothing to mess with. Welcome to the DCEU. Next on the list, Christopher Smith, a.k.a. AKA Peacemaker, played by the man himself, John Cena. Ruthless killer who believes in achieving peace at any cost. It's worth noting that James Gunn told Cena not to read any Peacemaker con comics in preparation for this role we wanted a brand new fresh take gun said when cena asked what sort of approach should he bring he wanted to bring a full metal jacket kind of vibe in there liam i read that today um james gunn told him you need to be a douchey broy captain america and i cannot think of anybody better 
to play that role than the former hustle loyalty respect turned super soldier John Cena. Sign me all the way up. Rick Flagg makes his return from 2016's Suicide Squad, played once again by Joel Kinnaman, an actor that was once in the running, I believe, for Thor in the MCU. People forget. Uh, He's the field leader of the Suicide Squad. He's the take-no-nonsense man in charge. And if you cross him, you die. Simple as that. And as far as I know, uh, the Enchantress, his former love interest, will not be making an appearance. So I will go see this movie. Uh, next on the list, uh, you know, the number one candidate for fan favorite is King Shark, voiced by Sylvester Stallone and acted and uh, mo capped by Steve Aggie. You may know him as the homeless guy in New Girl. He's very funny. Um, a, a man eating fish human hybrid. That's really all we know. If you've seen the trailers, you know that there's going to be a lot of comedic relief from this walking, talking shark man, King Shark. Hands. Also Um, moving on, we got Captain Boomerang returning from 2016's Suicide Squad, also known as George Harkness, played once again by Jai Courtney. He's an unhinged Aussie thief who wields boomerangs. Simple as that. And a lot of people will note he is one of the few highlights from the 2016 movie. Jai Courtney was an actor who wasn't getting a lot of love in his mid-2010s filmography. Not a lot of people loved him in Terminator Genesis. He was in that one weird movie with uh divergent i believe is that big franchise they tried to make it the new uh young adult live action spectacle suicide squad comes around jai courtney finds his like making role of captain boomerang and i'm stoked to see him back very very funny very funny uh next on the list character by the name of alex braga no relation in my knowledge to the fast and furious villain uh played by soul theria i feel like i got that mixed up a little bit Okay, Sol Saria is the character. The actress's name is Alice Braga. It's very confusing. There's not really a lot on this character online that I could find, but what I do know, she is a Maltese resistance leader who in the comics has some nanotech abilities that allows her to really get into anything. And for those who may not uh, recognize the actress's name, she's the lead female role in I Am Legend. How about that? Moving on to Richard Hertz, also known as Blackguard, played by the wonderful Pete Davidson. He's a small-time thug turned advanced killer guy. We don't know much about him, but we know one of our favorites from SNL is bringing this character to life. And Absolutely. And another fan favorite uh, from an actor's standpoint, David, last name? Dostmalshian. David Delsmalshion. Um, you'll know him as the uh, the crazy guy from The Dark Knight. He's also uh, one of Ant-Man and Ant-Man's crew. He's the Baba Yaga guy. Um, he is playing Abner Krill, a.k.a. Polka Dot Man, and it's exactly what it sounds like. He is a man that uses polka dots to be a villain, or in this case, an anti-hero, which he is very excited to be. Disc, flying saucers, etc., the most ridiculous character on this list. And I think he's actually going to be pretty great. And he is also wonderful in prisoners. If you haven't seen it, go check out prisoners in preparation for the Batman in 2022. Cause Paul Dano plays a role in that. And he's going to be Riddler in the Batman. I digress. Go see prisoners. Savant also known as Brian Dublin played by Michael Rooker. One of those actors that just always finds his way into Jimmy Gunn films He's a baton perfectionist, weaponist with a memory problem. Michael Rooker making his way into the DCEU. Mary Poppins, y'all. Uh, next on the list, uh, Mongol, uh, played by Mei Ling Ying. 
um, an alien warlord situation. It's a purple armored uh, super jack lady who um, I think just has standard DC alien super strength, speed, etc. cetera. Um, but I don't know if you noticed on the promo, she has some sick ass sword uh, gauntlets on her wrist. So uh, I see a lot of fun action scenes coming from Mongol when she makes her appearance on screen. Speaking of friends of James Gunn, Nathan Fillion makes right. his way into the Suicide Squad as Corey Pitzner, a.k.a. TDK, a.k.a. the detachable kid. His <laughs> limbs come off. That's all you need to know. And I am so excited that this character is coming in because way back when a six-year-old Liam's first ever comic included Arm Fall Off Boy, I'm not kidding. And Let's this go. is wildly full circle that this character is making his way into live action. And who better than Nathan Fillion? You know, you know who better than Nate Fillion to get in there? Uh, next on the list, a, a character that's getting a lot of shine in the promo: Ratcatcher Two, not one, not three. Ratcatcher Two, played by Daniela Malacor. Um, she communicates with rats. That's kind of her thing. She can, you know, bring rats to her aid at any time. And you know, based on the sketchy places that this team is going to find themselves, could be pretty useful. People will want to forget about 2016 Suicide Squad, but the unsung hero no one expected was Diablo, and I think Ratcatcher 2 will have the same vibe in this Great one. Pull. Moving on, Sean Gunn, you know, brother of James Gunn, Perfect. is going to be doing motion capture and I believe whatever voices, noises he makes, weasel. He's a weasel. That's all you got to know. And for those who don't know, Sean Gunn also did every mocap movement for Rocket Raccoon, so this is not out of his realm. That dude can walk with some bent knees um next on the list javelin played by fula borg um he's an olympic athlete turned criminal who has an arsenal of javelin inspired weapons it's a ridiculous thing he's got a ridiculous costume i cannot wait for uh the pompousness to come out of this type of character and a lot of these characters have that kind of vibe we will move on to the task force x commanding officer amanda waller played by viola davis she is the hbic of the suicide squad and she takes no prisoners she takes no anyone going against her her will uh for anything and she is going to be in charge of the suicide squad reprising her role from 2016 another bright spot from the 2016 movie the characters weren't the problem with that movie i'm starting to realize you know what i mean that's the story just a story. Uh, and last but not least, our antagonist, the bad guy amongst bad guys, uh, Gaius Greaves, a.k.a. The Thinker, a classic DC comic villain played by Peter Capaldi. Um, this is a tech-driven telekinesis and mind control villain. He's you know super smart, super you know mischievous, and you know he's got all the tech he needs behind him. There is reason to believe that he is the one controlling the movements and motivations of the giant starfish and terrifying kaiju known as Starro, the uh, muscle of this movie, you could say. And that is our incredibly long and ridiculous list of characters from the suicide squad Liam before we dive into which ones we're most excited about we need to point out that James Gunn has made it very clear in all marketing campaigns that you should not fall in love with any of these characters because many of them will die and anyone can get it um, I think you know we just because we cover this stuff and we know how movies work we can kind of decide who is going to make it the longest um, you know we have our headliners and we'll talk about them more at length but I want to ask you Liam who do you think is your favorite to be a guaranteed death in this movie in a uh i want everybody to think of deadpool 2 uh what was x-force when they 
jump yep. out of the plane and they just go off like flies. You know, think of that type of scene. I feel like we get one of those here based on James Gunn's comments. Liam, who is your favorite to take the plunge and become a casualty of comedy? There's so many, but I'm going to go with Javelin. I think Javelin is dead super fast because of just the absurdity of the character and his weaponry. And I think he gets impaled with one of his very own Javelins. Oh, see, that'd be great. (laughs) See, that would be awesome. I would love to see that. Um, Mine's going to shock you a little bit. I think that... I think that there's going to be a bunch of characters that die, but I think stakes need to be set. You know, it can't be, I feel like every new character we meet, people say, oh, he's going to die because we've never met him, met him or her before. So I think we need to kill off one character that is somewhat established. I think Captain Boomerang is going to bite it pretty early. You know, it really kind of set, it sets the tone of anyone can get it. If one of the four leftover characters from the original film gets wasted in the first uh, bit, he could be the biggest profile name to go down, but that is my guess. Uh, this is straight up Game of Thrones theory at this point, right? Like, like who can die is the question more than anything. Um, but Liam, let's talk about, uh, you know, who's not going to die. Uh, let's do dealer's choice, kind of like Sizzle Reel. Uh, what character are you most excited to talk about? Well, I'm very excited to talk about Peacemaker. And at first I was going to say guaranteed not to die because he has a series coming out, but Black Widow effect, right? Went into Endgame being the only one of the original six that is guaranteed not to die as Black Widow because we got a movie coming out. Who cares if it's a prequel? Like, if that's already established, they probably want to start a franchise, right? Nope, dead, bye-bye. So Peacemaker could very well be an origin series come January, but I want him to survive. I love all the stuff we've got from John Cena. John Cena, I think, is going to go the Dave Batista route in terms of James Gunn getting them to A-list status. Not just because they're both wrestlers, but because James Gunn gets the best out of these wrestlers turned actors. He focuses on their strengths. Dave Batista in 2014 was no Blade Runner 2049 actor. He was not giving anything wild with his performances. He was stoic and charismatic all in one. Like that's something that should not usually work. John Cena, same way. He doesn't exactly have crazy chops but he can act absurd and ham it up like he would when he's cutting a promo in a wrestling ring. And I think that's what Peacemaker is going to be. And I think that's why audiences are going to fall in love with him. Couldn't agree with you more. I compare James Gunn to a Bill Belichick type coach in the NFL where, you know, he doesn't force different actors to fit the script or the tone of the movie. He will write a script and a tone of a movie around the strengths of his supplementary actors. You have Idris Elba, you have Margot Robbie. I think Joel Kinnaman's actually a really good actor. So you can kind of let them kind of do the heavy work. But when John Cena is going to shine, it's going to be through his strengths with, like you said, is the goofy thing. He's so good at the goofy. And, you know, we've seen him in the ring for decades now being able to kind of turn that switch into serious and angry every now and again. And I think because he is so goofy and silly and baby face and, you know, you can't see me the most ridiculous tagline that got the greatest praise ever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when he makes that emotional switch, I think it hits a little hard. That's the kind of stuff I'm excited to see James Gunn pull out of him. It's not so much about can Cena do it or not. It's can him and Gunn work together to um, find the right opportunity to, uh, push go on that emotion you know because if you do it too much it's gonna john cena is gonna kind of falter by the wayside of his acting abilities that we've seen i've seen fast nine he's a fine actor but i mean come on he's not gonna win any oscars anytime soon let him do him which is funny um this guy's he looks hilarious like he looks like an instant hit as far as funny characters in these dcu movies they've trended funny 
the DCEU uh, as of late. You know, Shazam and Birds of Prey, comedies. You know, you, you could straight yeah. up say that those are comedies. I would even say the Snyder Cut was more funny than I expected it to be. You know, oh, Justice... Yeah. Justice League was quip central. It was a Marvel movie. And, uh, you know, some hit, some didn't. Um, you know, I, I like the, uh, yeah, whatever. We don't have to get into that. But um, Snyder Cut was funnier than I expected. Obviously, uh, Birds of Prey, Shazam, both comedies in their heart. One Woman 1984, don't remember if it was funny or not. Um, but uh, I think that uh, John Cena is going to be a big spotlight from the comedic standpoint of this movie. That was too long. I understand that. Um, we're going to hold her off to the end. We're going to close with our girl, I think, at this point. So let's uh, first talk about Bloodsport. Let's talk about Idris Elba, Black Superman, bitch. One of, I'm going to count it real quick, one, two, three, four, five. Five um, actors in this movie, previous MCU actors, coming to the DC. And uh, Idris Elba is obviously the biggest name on that list, besides maybe Sly Stallone. Uh, the Bloodsport character looks cool. Uh, you know, pe- everybody's asking, like, oh, is this Will Smith's character recast? I don't think it is. Deadshot is more of a uh, precision uh, weaponist, where I believe Bloodsport is more uh, unique and crazy, fun kind of weapons. Um, so I'm excited to see Idris Alba do his thing, which is just kind of be a badass that, you know, usually has a connection with one or two characters in the movie. And, um, you know we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see how important his role is here. But from the trailers, he seems to be a you know top three billing uh, character in this movie. People do forget though, Elba was originally reported to be recast as Deadshot, and then based on the reaction to that, they decided to go with with Bloodsport, a new character rather than recasting um, Will Smith, with hopes that maybe if this movie was a success maybe Will Smith would come back down the line. I don't know if that's the ultimate goal or more about just maintaining some form of continuity by keeping, you know, the same faces to the same characters. But at the same time, I'm glad that El- I'm, gl- I'm glad that Elba's playing a-, a new character per se, because it allows uh, him to not be handcuffed by the previous movie. I don't think any of the returning characters are necessarily being like, we need to continue how we left off in 2016 Suicide Squad. But knowing actors, the caliber of Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, Viola Davis, they're not just going to ignore what they set up in 2016. So letting Idris Elba paint with a blank canvas, I think is a good choice. And I'm excited to see Bloodsport. 100%. And before we move on to uh, whoever you want to talk about next, I do want to bring up Ratcatcher 2, who through the trailers looks like her and Bloodsport have some sort of connection, rather be romantic or maybe even more of a father-daughter thing like we've seen Elba do in the past. Um, so I think Ratcatcher 2, like you said earlier, has a chance to be the sneaky emotional core of this movie. Uh, Gunn has this unbelievably creative ability to make a movie so funny and so dialogue energy driven, if that's even a phrase I can say, and just such an entertaining, you know, bit by bit kind of movie, and then sneak emotion in where you never expect it to be. Ratcatcher 2 has a great chance to perform that role with such a ridiculous power, it just seems like a gun move. Um, so, Liam, who, who's next on your list here? I'm very excited about Polka Dot Man. Yeah? I, just, I love the actor. Uh, I, I love the absurdity. I love his social media presence. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name again, but David's social media presence is fantastic. He always just seems like someone who's just so thankful to be a part of these movies. 
even though it's not like it's luck at this point. Like we're talking about a guy who has a very memorable small role in The Dark Knight, a movie that's 13 years old and people still recognize his face. He got he got awards praise for Prisoners. He got, you know, a lot of comedic praise for his role uh, in Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. So having him come in and play this absurd role of Polka Dot Man, I don't know how the powers work. It seems like he's just throwing those little circle counter dots that they would give you in math class in elementary school if anyone knows what i'm talking about those little little slides where it's like all right now if you take three away how many do you have left you know visual learning for basic math back in the day that's this guy's superpower (laughs) teach me about it polka dot man i'm excited see we were more uh the uh the the box the little cubes stacked on top of each other this is 10 put them together it's 100 and do that whole thing um you know not math guys numbers guys though for sure. For sure. Um, let's move on. I really think Pete Davidson's going to die early. <sighs> Me too. And I'm very sad about it. Real quick, I want to talk about Rick Flagg. Joel Kinnaman, um, he was kind of a casualty of the story from 2016 Suicide Squad, but he's made his way over into this movie. It's something that um, I think he's excited about. I think James Gunn is excited about. And just based on the trailers and what I've seen from the promotion and what I've seen from this character and clips and stuff, um, he seems more lived in. He seems more charismatic. He seems to be accepting you know, the ridiculousness of his situation a little more, which I think will make for this character to be a good plot mover you know he's going to be the audience within the crew you know experiencing everything alongside with us so uh, joel kinnaman a uh, former craven speculative um uh, yeah. makes, his, makes his way here as rick flag how about that i feel like it's time matt i feel like it's time Bring there's up. not there's not much left to to discuss let's talk about harley and quinzel miss harley quinn I'm very, very interested to see where they take this character moving forward because it's one of those characters I think DC never wants to kill off because they always want to have her in their back pocket. But I think they have a little hesitation on ever using her in a solo movie again because Birds of Prey wasn't exactly a commercial success. That said, it did also come out in February, right before COVID. It had the whole title fiasco where they initially released it as Birds of Prey and the fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn didn't do too well opening weekend. They realized the title should have focused more on Harley. So they retitled it Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. A little bit too late in that front. But I think Harley, Harley Quinn's a character where she can kind of operate like a Black Widow in Marvel, where she can pop up in an ensemble picture. She can pop up as a supporting character in a future Batman movie, if you even want to go there. And I'm very interested to see this character because I remember very, very old set photos of a green-haired you know, Joker, probably not Jared Leto, probably not going to see his face, throwing her belongings out of a house so maybe we pick up this movie of her getting kicked out of joker's life i don't know but i the the lore there is uh has has my attention yeah it's it's uh i i mentioned earlier that margot robbie has reached that robert downey jr christian bale hugh jackman level of you know that is our batman that is our iron man that is our wolverine and it's not and it's such a statement because 
she is in what is critically acclaimed as one of the worst comic book movies in recent history in the Suicide Squad. Liam just laid out all the birds of prey issues from a box office standpoint, even though I personally find it a very enjoyable movie because of Harley Quinn. What she has overcome as an actress and a character through the DCEU mess, I mean, she's embedded in it. You know, she's one of the first few projects in the DCEU. And, you know, she was kind of the star of it in Suicide Squad. Stole the show, no doubt. Um, you know, got her solo project, like you said, box office problems. And she is still among one of the fan favorite comic book movie characters of the last decade. And I think that is just a testament to how great Margot Robbie is in this role, how much she appreciates it. And I cannot even begin to fathom what James Gunn does with this meat. You know what I mean? How does James Gunn take this already established icon of a character and put her over the top even more than she already is? Uh, Margot Robbie is about to slay. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how focused this movie is on her because, you know, she wasn't necessarily the running away you know main focus of suicide squad in 2016 she definitely got more work than a lot of other people in that movie though um and it's because she's so charismatic i think air realized that and now gun gets a chance to do the same and uh that's our cast of characters uh amanda waller viola davis returns as you know nobody can trust her very exciting i think she was a standout in the uh, 2016 suicide squad and uh for those who don't know starro i mentioned him earlier quite literally a you know 12 story tall starfish who uh in the comics has a lot of mind control powers so it is as ridiculous as as it could possibly be and i think you know with with the amazing amounts of absurdity surrounding everything about this movie from the characters to the villains to the idea of it being a soft reboot sequel hybrid kind of thing all of that you know makes the risk so high for it to be good but those are my favorite kind of movies because when they pay off, they pay off with, you know, deep, you know, second level home runs. So I'm excited for that to go down. Liam, let's talk about the behind the camera stuff for this movie. He had, those are the players on the board. Let's talk about the chess master behind it. How did we land where we are today? Way back when, after 2016 Suicide Squad came out, which actually did make a profit at the box office, which gave Warner Brothers the idea to greenlight a sequel, David Ayer and Will Smith were expected to return, but then things got wonky, contracts didn't pan out, yada yada, Suicide Squad was back to development hell. Uh, a Gotham City Sirens project was supposed to bring Harley Quinn back, that never got off the ground, it turned into Birds of Prey. A new director began uh, searching for Suicide Squad 2. Warner Brothers started courting Mel Gibson by February of 2017, which honestly, which didn't work out in the end, as we all know, because the movie never really came out, at least titled Suicide Squad 2. A very interesting name that was attached to direct, or at least looked at to direct, was Wami Colette Sarah. Uh, you'll recognize him from recently directing Jungle Cruise, and you'll also recognize him by his future DCEU project, black adam after he never really signed the contract to direct suicide squad 2 suicide squad 2 went back to development hell and probably was never going to see the light of day august of 2018 jared leto was talked to about reprising his role but then he got cold feet after being upset that warner brothers was greenlighting a joker movie with joaquin phoenix kind of putting his character to the side so he's kind of still having growing pains over at dc he did recently return though in the Snyder Cut, but that likely seems like just 
a one-off. Gavin O'Connor was eventually penned to direct and write uh, the Suicide Squad 2 based on his own vision in his script. Gavin O'Connor, you might recognize him from films like Warrior starring Tom Hardy. His script had Black Adam as the main antagonist. Obviously, that never ended up happening. Dwayne The Rock Johnson isn't going to play a bad guy. He's going to be the star of his own movie. So after Gavin O'Connor left the project, no one really knew what would happen with the future of the Suicide Squad EP until one James Gunn came around. And how do we land with future friend of the show, Jimmy Gunn, my favorite director coming out of the Marvel side of things, a fan favorite across the all focuses. And people are asking, he's a Marvel guy. He's a Disney guy. He's, you know, one of the, you know, you can call it the big five directors at Marvel Studios. How is he able to go over DC and play both sides of the field? Um, it's an interesting tale for those who don't know due to some controversial statements deep on his social media feeds. Uh, Marvel was temporary, temporarily let go um, James Gunn from his duties on the third guardians of the galaxy film in July of 2018. He was brought back into the house of mouse in March, 2019 after a swelling of internet support and official written statements from the guardians cast and crew showing support for the director. But in that seventh month, seven month gap, Warner Brothers approached Gunn to be the next big name in the chair for an upcoming DCEU film. He was asked to attempt a Superman movie for the DCEU, but was hesitant. After showing some hesitation, Warner Brothers told Gunn, you can make whatever you want with whatever DC property you want to make it with. This is your world. We're living in it. What would you like to do? And the rest is history. And he picked the Suicide Squad. He picked these ridiculous cast of characters. He picked this insanely absurd and ridiculous you know, format to make his debut into the DC side of things with a rated R sword on his waist. It's unbelievable that he picked this crazy story, but nobody's surprised because James Gunn made his money taking one of the most unknown IPs in the history of Marvel comics and turning them into overnight sensations. My favorite Marvel movie and fan favorites across the world. Um, so that is how we landed at James Gunn. An interesting note, about the Marvel side of things when uh, James Gunn's making all this DC content. After learning about his new gig with the Suicide Squad, Marvel Studios' Kevin Feige encouraged Gunn to, quote, make a great film. And then Feige went on to delay Guardians 3 production to give the director enough time to complete both projects. Once upon a time, Guardians 3 was set to kick off Phase 4, at least from a theatrical standpoint, as it was May 2020 as the original release date. But... They waited on gun, Liam. I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, all of that, but, you know, also just the idea that Kevin Feige not only respected James Gunn taking the opportunity to go to the DCU and make his dream movie from a DC standpoint, but he also pushed back the release of one of his most successful IPs, um, the third installment of that show, and moved it to the back of Phase 4 just to wait on gun because he knows that's his guy. It's just hilarious to me because I'll always think about the AEW WWE comparison of when a guy hops over to another company, which is kind of viewed as a rival. It's a little different with comic book movies because when one is succeeding, the whole genre is succeeding. But in pro wrestling, if a guy hops over to New Japan for a spell, Vince McMahon is just going to pretend you don't exist and he's going to erase you from the history books. Kevin Feige taking the initiative to go, hey, best of luck with what you do over at DC. We'll be waiting for you. And we're going to restructure phase four, at least from behind the scenes, to fit your mold. 
wonderful, wonderful. I can't thank Kevin Feige enough for being that kind of that flexible, but it's also wild. I don't want to get into too much guardians talk, but the reshuffling of the scheduling guardians three now comes out after Thor love and thunder. So if gun never leaves and suicide squad never happens, how different is Thor love and thunder because guardians three would have came out before it. Does Thor love and thunder even happen? What happens with the guardians holiday special? Does that get greenlit? Is that a byproduct of, Hey, we want you to come back. And as an incentive, We'll, we'll give you a little holiday special. We'll do, we'll do whatever you want with these characters. There's so many implications with Gunn taking this movie and going to DC for a quick spell. But I love the flexibility from behind the scenes because it shows that at the end of the day, people like Feige, people like the head execs at Warner Brothers don't care about your past uh, work, whether or not you're working for the quote unquote rival or not. They just want you to make good content. And that's all we can ask for as fans. It's really exciting. Um, like I mentioned, James Gunn, one of my favorite directors, and um, it's because of his ability to com- ability to combine uh, comedy and emotion, drape it in some great action and visuals. I mean, you look at Guardians, some of the most beautiful still frames in the MCU, uh, you know, being so CGI heavy. This movie does seem a little bit more practical based on the featurettes. Obviously, heavy green screen, heavy blue screen, a lot of mocap, but... I think that you know some of the action sequences are going to have a little more grit and grammar behind it compared to Gunn's uh, Marvel showing so far. But um, one thing we have to talk about is this R rating that Gunn is allowed to work with. I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy have been the drunk uncle at every MCU Christmas party ever since they stepped on the scene, and in the best way possible. They are um, ridiculous dialogue, crazy things that they're saying. It kind of takes you out of... You know, the fact that this is a serious movie a lot of the times, which it's supposed to do um, because it's so good at being both. But Liam, how excited are you to see James Gunn work with an R rating while his pen touches paper for the Suicide Squad? I'm a little scared, to be honest, just because <laughs> I feel like this movie is going to be super gory. Um, not like to the level of a slasher film, but, you know, I've seen clips from Slither, uh, one of James Gunn's earlier films. I'll never sit down and watch that in the dark. I'll, I'll watch YouTube clips on a, on the mini player, you know, hiding myself in the comments while these gory kills are happening. But yeah, I, I do think these deaths are going to be wincing. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of crude humor, um, which is not a bad thing. That's, that's James Gunn's wheelhouse. And I, I want to see, uh, because we've seen so much what he can do with the PG 13 rating with guardians volumes one and two, and even, you know, writing some of the dialogue for infinity war and Endgame Cause he definitely had input there getting to see him with, literally no rules attached i mean just to make a professional wrestling uh comparison as i always love to do it's like getting one of your favorite like like technical wrestlers in a no no disqualifications match when they can experiment with weapons and breaking the rules and not having to worry about getting counted out or disqualified james gunn's going to be completely unleashed here and that is probably the thing i'm most looking forward to and uh something i we talk about Marvel too much in this segment. I get that, but you know, that that is kind of the drape behind all this. James Gunn is a fan favorite because of his work in the MCU. Um, you know, people, DCEU fans who don't necessarily like the MCU, they like to point out that MCU fans just want the DCEU to be colorful and funny. And that's what makes an MCU movie an MCU movie because it's colorful and funny. While that is, you know, th- there's truth to that in the sense that that's the style of the MCU, and we and I, you know, personally like that. Really, what we want the DCEU to adapt from the MCU is 
characters we care about, emotional storylines that, you know, have depth and isn't just, you know, surface level stuff. And also, hey, a good plot maybe wouldn't be the worst thing ever. That those are the qualities of the MCU that you know we wish were in the DCEU more. James Gunn embodies those qualities to a T with Guardians. Yes, they're funny and colorful, like every other MCU movie, but it's the emotion, it's the character dynamics, it's the it's the you know the plot supporting great characters and characters supporting a great plot. It's the symmetry of story and development at the same time. Those are what makes the Guardians movie so great. And, you know, with this ridiculous, I mean, this is the Guardians of the Galaxy of the DCEU. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The rat and Suicide Squad didn't come first, but that's what everybody calls it. You know, the Suicide Squad, the bad guys being good. Wow, it's going to be great. This is James Gunn's chance to ma- basically make a Guardians movie, mix it with a little bit of Deadpool starring Harley Quinn. Like, like that, that's the ultimate cocktail for uh, if you, if DCEU fans want MCU fans to appreciate that brand, this is what's going to do it. This combination of pieces, and it all starts and ends with James Gunn. Like we mentioned, a hybrid release on HBO Max and in theaters. Here at the Direct Podcast, we encourage everybody who is able, comfortable, and safely um, capable of uh, attending the theaters, do so. Keep the industry alive. We like the big red chairs. We like the expensive popcorn, but we understand situations are situational. And one quick reminder, if you are listening to this on a Sunday, because we're going to announce the winner on a Monday, on Monday, August 2nd, oh. make sure to make sure to enter for the Fandango gift card giveaway. All you got to do, hashtag the direct at the theaters, tag myself and Matt on the tweet itself, tag three friends as well, and let us know who your favorite or most anticipated character is going into this movie. That's all you got to do. Follow myself and Matt on socials at Liam T. Crowley, at Matt Remke, R-O-E-M-B as in boy K-E, and you'll be entered. But we're announcing the giveaway winner on Monday, August 2nd. So only if you're listening on the day we drop this episode, Sunday, August 1st, get that tweet out, let us know, and uh, you'll be entered to win a Fandango $15 gift card. We appreciate all of you for listening. We want to help you get into the theaters. Liam, because the way we set up this Word document, we have to get into the story, but I'm going to be completely honest. It really does just seem like a rehash of the 2016 Suicide Squad story. Get bad guys together. Ultimatum. You do what we say or you die. Here's what we're sending you to do. A search and destroy mission in the jungle. I feel like the characters are the story here. You know what I mean? So from a plot standpoint, what are you looking forward to in this movie? I don't really care if it's a rehash. <laughs> it's such a great premise. It's the same yeah. thing as like, I think the Purge movies, even though I'm not a big horror horror movie or slasher movie guy, I think it's such a genius premise. Crime is legal for 12 hours. Give me that movie 10 times over and just tell it with different characters and have the events play out differently. A bunch of criminals are sent to do a a good guy mission. And if they disobey, a bomb goes off in their head and they die. That's genius. Rehash that for the next decade uh, until it gets overdone. So I think the, as you said, the real story here is the characters getting to know their relationships, who they are personally, what makes them tick, what makes them bad guys, what makes them want to be good guys. And I think people like Peacemaker, people like Harley Quinn, people like Bloodsport, and even you know, a polka dot man for whatever reason are going to be the driving force of this movie. And then the relationships they have within the team is going to be really cool to see because I love when you have a giant ensemble as we'll see in Avengers movies and justice league movies, but 
the real core of it is getting to know how each individual character interacts with one another. Like we love our core six Avengers, but we especially love Tony and Cap uh, conversing. We love Hulk and Thor conversing. We love Clint and Natasha conversing. Same with Justice League. We loved getting to see Cyborg and Flash have that one-on-one time. Out of these characters, I don't know who has the one-on-one time um, together, but whoever does, I expect a really cool relationship to blossom and something I definitely want to see explored further in future films or a future show like in Peacemaker. 100%. Another great example from that awesome list of examples you gave, Batman Wonder Woman. You know, they, yeah. they did a lot for the Justice League, uh, the Snyder Cut, that is. So, um, yes, I, I completely agree. It's the dynamics that are really going to kind of drive the story. It's just it, it really is a, a second attempt at what they tried to do in 2016 with Suicide Squad. Exactly what you said. Cast characters get together. Here's the mission. The problem with that movie was the mission was inherently flawed and stupid. You know, it was the Enchantress thing. There was too much going on. Nobody really cared about you know anything happening in the backdrop and like you said you you don't really care what's gonna happen in the backdrop but it's at least more interesting it isn't scary witch god and her scary witch god brother doing scary witch god stuff you know glowing light in the middle of town if we don't stop it the world's gonna end whatever right this is a giant starfish controlled by a man with plugs in his head yeah, yeah, I'm in. That's at least sure. going to be at the very minimum. That's going to be fun. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's this movie just seems like it's going to do everything the 2016 movie tried to do with a James Gunn lighter twist. Also, we're going to care about these guys. That was the main problem. We just didn't really care. Now we're going to, and we know that because of James Gunn's track record. And also just from the trailers, we like these characters already more than any character we saw in the previous film. Um, a scene I am excited about though. It's one of my favorite scenes in movies. It's, it's the mighty ducks too. We're getting the gang together. Um, you know, we pick up everybody where their summer jobs are. We go skating down the road. It's the, uh, uh, the sand lot when they go and grab everybody who's on the team. It's the getting the gang together scene when we go through each one of these characters with the classic Suicide Squad graphics on top of it, announcing their names in big whiz-bang letters, getting to learn their powers. That's my one of my favorite scenes in these types of movies, and I can't wait to see it. Um, so I guess uh, my question off of that, Liam, what power are you most excited to see play out here? Polka Dot Man, probably. <laughs> I just because wanted- the intrigue? I just don't know what how it works in execution. Also, you know, the detachable kid, detachable man, yeah. uh, Nathan Fillion, how does that work? He'll probably end up dying. Would I want to see him use that power at least once or twice? And then honestly, it's not really a power, but I just want to see how Peacemaker's persona, like his vibe, his characteristics, his mannerisms interact with him and that sweet, uh, it's like a platinum gun and it looks like it's got a silencer built in onto it. And he's got the fishbowl on his head. It's fantastic. I I can't wait for all of those characters and more. And yeah, the the characters I'm most intrigued by are the ones I know the least about, which is always a good thing. Right. And the ridiculousness of all these powers and all these characters, you know, has a folly like aura around them. But I feel like each one of them is have to gonna gonna have to show us that they are dangerous, that they are useful, that they are powerful. And I can't wait for those moments with everybody. I can't wait for Polka Dot to show us how dangerous he really is. You know what I mean? He's on this team because he's dangerous. Why? You know, same thing with Peacemaker. He looks nothing but goofy and 
you know, just brute in this, uh, in the promotion, but he's going to do something cool. And I can't wait for that to happen because the comedy is going to follow afterwards and really desynthesize everything. Uh, so that's, that's kind of it guys. That's the suicide squad. Liam, what are your expectations for this beautifully horrible, horrible and horrific movie? It's a really big one, but I I'm setting it because I, I think it will happen. I expect this to be my favorite DCEU film, plain and simple. I, I have a lot of high hopes for this movie based on the social reactions, based on the promotion, based on the cast giving interviews and talking at length about how much of a fun time they had on this movie. I expect that fun time to also happen for audiences as well. And I cannot wait for this movie. Here we are, Matt. We're about five hours time of recording away from both seeing it in theaters. And for that reason, my anticipation is, is reaching a fever pitch. I, I just mirror everything you said. I'll take it one step further. You know, we all know that I have an MCU bias that, you know, is hard, hard to battle out here. You know what I mean? I love my MCU because everything ties together so well. And the DCEU overtly doesn't do that. So I personally, you know, hang me by a rope. I don't think that any DCEU movie would crack my MCU list. I can definitely see arguments for the back five of the MCU and the top three of the DCEU maybe for me. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, Birds of Prey, Shazam, Man of Steel, those are my top three. Um, so I don't think either, any of those crack yet. I not only think that this movie will crack my MCU list, might even make it a whole tier in. You know what I mean? It might even make it into a section above that last uh, couple movies. So um, I, I, I have every bit of faith in the world in James Gunn. Harley Quinn's one of my favorite characters on screen. And um, I just have nothing but faith that this movie is going to be such a refreshing taste in the DCEU um, and really just start turning the pages toward a way that fans would be excited about. Not MCU replicas, but Definitely more emotion, definitely more vibes, and more James Gunn. And that's all I need. So, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Suicide Squad uh, primer. We're going to have the review come out um, on Friday, Friday, August 6th. Friday, August 6th. Uh, Yeah, yeah, episode 45 of the Direct Podcast. We will have the Suicide Squad review, and we can't wait to see you then.